What's going on, everybody? We're back with an episode of the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 44, and I am with Mr. Joe Bennett. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. No complaints. Yeah. So me and Joe are going to fight today. Everybody, yes. likes, everybody likes a good bit of drama. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, don't follow Joe. Joe uh, posted something on Instagram last week about uh, back training. And I had a... I have a different opinion, so I posted my opinion. We had a constructive conversation, but, you know, it's still kind of hard on Instagram. So I thought yeah. I would have him on the podcast, and we'd have a little bit longer discussion uh, about the about the debate. Do you want to show everybody – do you want me to show everybody what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. All right, so I'm going to share my screen. And uh, I got Joe's Instagram pulled up here. So this is Joe doing a, his best grimace face. Yep. Hopefully that gets some clicks. Clickbait. <laughs> uh, one thing I can say, I like your sense of humor. You got a good, you got a good sense of humor about you, especially when people don't agree. And I'm sure that happens to you a lot because yeah. your opinions are very different than everybody else's or the norm anyway. But this was the post we're talking about. So Joe posted the what he calls baby handles. I, <laughs> I, call, it, I, I, I call it a close grip. Um, a close grip or a V or a V bar, but Joe, you, your statement basically says that nobody should ever use this grip for any type of row. Is that what what, we're, what you're trying to say? Uh, no, not exactly. Um, if you're big, then that's a little bit more of a fair statement, is what I would say. And, and to be honest, so you know, I I look at it, the whole thing is I think we get to name it, like have like the the baby handle gate or something that just has turned into this big scandal of some sort. <laughs> And, um, and honestly, the funniest thing is like, I look at this and I'm like, the thing has like 900 something comments. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever had that many comments on anything. Um, so anyway, it was, it was a random thought basically in the middle of training, um, where I was doing some back stuff and I look at this little handle and I think I was in the middle of doing like a, you know, chest supported barbell row or whatever. Someone on an incline bench doing rows. Yeah. And I just like, was like messing around with my hands and I was like, man, it would feel fucking horrible to try and row on a barbell, like with your hands this close together. And so that, that was just my thought, like the random thought in between sets. And I was like, man, like that's, that's the width that someone has. I mean, I understand the difference between pronation and sunation, all that shit, but the shit of like having a grip this close and trying to row, I was like, God, that would just, that feels horrible. And I was like, but mm -hmm. people do it all the time. And uh, so that was my intent. I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, it's two questions, you know, it's like, if you, if you wouldn't take this grip on a barbell row, then why would you take a grip like that close on a T-bar row? And so my, my intent was for people to answer that question. And say like, man, like I wouldn't put my hands that close together but, on a barbell. But you know, let's okay, let, let's go back because this is what you wrote. So oh, I know. So it's two questions. I should I should have taken the TF out. I mean, I get it. I'm like, why <laughs> you know TF would you anyone use this handle for T bar rows? This this line here is the one that's evoking the emotion, right? Yeah, I think I triggered people with that. This one, this is a valid question. You know, would yeah. you? You know what I mean? But this one is basically stating. The way I read it, and maybe I'm overly emotional, but I read it like you're stupid if you use this use this grip. <laughs> if I so let's let's just take for experiment's sake. If I pretend the TF's not there, yeah. So again, would you ever do a barbell row with four inches apart on a barbell? Then why would anyone use this handle for T-bar rows? I mean, it's less bad that way. I, I feel know. I feel I feel less stupid without the TF. Involved. Yeah, yeah. And well, and the joke is, I mean, I actually had a lot of I, the funny thing is, like I um. This is going to sound weird, but I don't, I don't really care that much, like, especially on an individual level. You know, like the thought was like, the thought was like, basically, 
I was trying to invoke some thought and I joke, I had some nice conversations with people where people were really lit up, but actually like had a nice conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I was like, man, I just shouldn't have put the TF in there. Like for, for personal reasons, honestly, unrelated, like I'm trying to cuss less and yeah. even like implied cussing. And yeah. so I'm like, all right, had I taken that out of there, maybe people would have just looked at it and read it and like thought about it and not been like so upset about it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, I, I literally, it was like a random thought. I mean, obviously you can see I didn't do any like real editing. I took a picture obviously yeah. in stories and, you know, posted it up and that yeah. whole deal. Um, so and it's one of, so let, yeah, let, let, let's let's kind of break down your thought process about it because I actually want to talk about the actual movement. So yep. I, I would I would never do a barbell roll like this. Yeah. But I have done a barbell roll like this. Yeah. But that close? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but not well, I shouldn't say a barbell roll, because you you said you applied that to cable rows as well. Yeah. And I've used a cambered bar with a close mm-hmm. grip reverse yeah. on a cable. Yeah. So as a cable row. So I would do it with a barbell. Like I would yeah. do not a barbell row, but you know what I'm saying? Like I would do it with a bar. Yeah. Like with a reverse grip and close. And I kind of tuck my hands into my stomach. Yeah. I feel a great contraction when I do that. Yeah. So I don't like this is the thing. I'm really confused because even we're just talking about that grip, especially. Yeah. Your I saw your diagram. You drew you went on the next day and posted a mm. different grip and the third day. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show people in a second, but yeah, um, you were saying that why would you do this? Because your elbows are flaring out, right? But if Essentially, I essentially yes, yeah. But if I drop my shoulders, like if I, you know, and I don't know all the biomechanical terms and stuff, but yeah, if I drop my shoulders down and pull my hands in, I can feel my lats contract. Just yeah. doing, just doing this with no weight. Yeah. So there's obviously so the- something happening, right? Well, I'm I'm a fan of everything you said. Like I'm a fan of. I mean, a fan's not even the right word because. <laughs> I'm implying something other than just, um, you know, a logical thought process. Everything you're saying, like shoulders down and everything into the hips is great. My issue is, is this type of thing. And so, again, if you, if you look at the drawing deal, if you look at lines of force, like any time, it's the same reason, like obviously you teach somebody to do a row. You wouldn't teach them to row like this. No. Because obviously then that dumbbell is pulling you. It's, it has force going through the elbow. It has torque going through your elbow. So well, the same I would, thing is. Sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So I'm saying is if someone's doing a row and their hand's up here, like people think that's inherently not great because there's torque going through the elbow. That's what's happening. Force doesn't line up right through the joint. So basically it's affecting more than one joint. So the same thing when you go from here to here and the line of force pulls straight that way, then it's affecting that joint. Okay. But so can I say, the, but can I give yeah. you the counterpoint is I don't tell people to do this because of the elbow joint. Yeah. I tell people not to do this because it's not going to hit your lat because it's not low enough. Yeah. So I'm not worried about the joint. I'm like, you need to drop your hands. So you're pulling into your lower abdomen. I don't, yeah. I've never, ever considered like the joint position an, an issue. I've always just considered your hands has to have to be pulling low to target the lower part of your back. But uh, I'm, I'm just saying the reason that obviously that what's the difference. Like if I look at my upper arm and I said, okay, I want this pulled down, this pulled back position. And what's the difference? Like nothing changes obviously where my lat actually attaches, you know, through my upper arm. So if I move all this, like nothing changes actually at the lat. It's still all in the same position, the same length. When your hand's up here, like that's the difference with your hand being up is now there's force at the elbow joint. Like if you did this, like the common sense things, if you did this, you'd feel on your biceps. It's yeah. turned into a bicep exercise. Yeah. So again, the reason you don't feel it on your biceps when you drop your, your elbow down is if you drew a straight line from that cable, the cable is the line of force right through your arm, right through your elbow. It's because there's no torque at the elbow joint. And that's all that your bicep does is manage your, or one of the main things your bicep does is manage your elbow joint. Okay. So that's, so- so are you, are you saying 
you can feel it in your back. Like you have to bring things down to layman's terms for me. So are you telling me you can feel it in your back with a close grip with your hands down or you can't like I, this is what I'm confused about. I just want to. Sure. So the, the whole point is I'm, I'm just saying you're going to get force at your elbow and I'm saying, why would you want that? So yes, I agree. Like if you're where your upper arms at, like obviously that force is still getting in some capacity to your upper arm and it's wanting to pull your arm this way. Yeah. You know, so some of it, I say, some of it is like, if you, if you look at your hand, like, obviously this is a slight exaggeration, yeah. but if obviously if, if I pull this way, like it makes me want to do this. So there's, all I'm saying is there's a little bit of an internal rotation component at the shoulder. Like that's not really your lat, that's something else, but yeah, yeah. the whole thing's still pulling this way. So okay. your, your lats absolutely still can do work. And obviously I don't, I don't discount the ability for somebody to feel something. All I'm saying is your elbow is involved. And if you like, if this, again, you like this low position down into your hip, all I'm saying is why not just do it? like this like that's basically the mm -hmm. crutch of my mm -hmm. my discussion as i say it's if you yeah. look at your upper arm you look at the direction everything's being pulled it's all mm -hmm. the same from a lat standpoint and the going from here to here just takes your elbow out of it so, so like my whole thing is so i actually yeah. i agree with you um i don't want to say 100 <laughs> percent i say 100 i agree with maybe you like that 40 percent maybe no no, no, maybe no 50 51 no. percent <laughs> no no i guess what i'm trying to say is I agree with you. You're going to have a better range of motion out here because mm -hmm. you can pull your elbows further back. You know what I mean? Than if you could doing this, but it doesn't discount. Like one of the things I learned from John Meadows was not everything in theory works in practice mm -hmm. or, or not necessarily that everything that you do in bodybuilding has an explanation. Uh -huh. and I, I wonder if, is this one of those things? Like, Maybe the T-bar is not drawn perfectly, but when you do it, I don't feel anything better in my back than a T-bar. Now, in saying that, before I let you answer, I want to tell you that I've, I usually do, because if you see some of those, um, the platforms for the T-bar, they usually have an inside grip, and then, mm -hmm. they, have, and then they have a mid-grip, and then the outer yeah. grip. I yeah. usually do the mid-grip or the inner grip. Mm -hmm. So I've done both, and I understand what you're saying. When you're using that mid-grip, you can pull further back because your hands are further out. Yeah. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, is this one of those things where the biomechanics, the theory of it, the way it's all drawn up doesn't exactly correlate in the gym? I'm, uh, my thing would be is that it's not on an individual basis. So if you're like, hey, Joe, like, I want your expertise, like, take a look at my program, do all this. If we had this conversation, like, literally, we wouldn't have had this conversation in the first place. You'd say T-bar rows with a close grip on my favorite exercise. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even had a discussion. I'd be like, Cause okay. at the end of the day, on an individual basis, yes, like personal application, adherence, the way you feel it is massively important. Like the tricky part though, is like, you know, the whole reason is, is the same thing you would give anybody guidelines, right? So if anybody asked you like, where do I start on leg day? How do I train? What do I do with my food? If you just had that question posed on Instagram, you would try and give the answer that is gonna help the most people. But mm -hmm. there's gonna be people that you miss, right? So even if you said, hey, squats are the best for whatever, then you'd have like Dorian Yates saying, well, like I didn't do back squats. I think hack squats are a fine option. Right. So there's always like individual nuance. And yeah. so I think that's the thing that was kind of lost on the post. It's like, in my opinion, I can't really think of a reason again, if I'm talking to thousands of people that I wouldn't say, Hey, just keep your elbow out of it if you can. Hmm. But then on an individual basis, it wouldn't even go past to me. Like, well, we have to have this whole discussion and here's the deal. Fua. Here's why I got to change your favorite yeah. shit, blah, blah, blah. And like all that kind of stuff. So it's, again, that's the tough part that's like every post on Instagram. Honestly, man, I think about it where it's like, all right, well, every post, I'm just trying to have the highest percentage of who it's going to help the most. Yeah. But at the same time, every single thing that I post, every single post, no matter what, like it's wrong for somebody, the way that it's going to get in their brain. 
Um, but hopefully it's more right for more people. So I don't, I don't normally, and I kind of understand that. And I don't Mm -hmm. normally like back in the day when I was younger and not, you know, I was more arrogant in my thinking. I would be like, no, he's wrong. He's a hundred percent wrong. I know he's wrong. I'm going to go tell him he's wrong. Now I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is I understand your point of view. You're like, okay, if I took a thousand beginners that didn't know what they were doing, Mm -hmm. this probably isn't the first thing I would point them to. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, pretty much. So, but, but what my point is, is even though the science makes sense the way you explain it, Mm -hmm. if 90 out of a hundred professional bodybuilders prefer this movement, wouldn't that also tell us something? I mean, yes and no. I mean, that's just a tough thing where it's, um, so again, I mean, it's, um, it's a weird thing to discuss because obviously we're discussing principle here. And again, we're not discussing what I would actually do as a coach. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the, the notion of, cause it's always been done that way. I don't always think is just the best. I mean, I think, I think what we look at with there more than anything is like patterns, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what has everybody done? Cause at the same time, like I always, my favorite example on the entire planet is Dorian Yates. Like you look at all the things he chose to do and chose not to do. And nobody did less things that had always been done up to that point in time than he did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's one of those things where some of it, you know, some of it obviously is individual structure, but some of it's just thinking, well, just because we've had this level of success, there's a whole lot of things to consider there. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like at the end of the day, I mean, it's, I, I, I honestly can't, I can't say that I would ever look at what uh, like history has done for very specific things. I would look at the big trends and principles that have been applied, you know, basically from everyone. Cause it's the same thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's the same as you. I mean, I've, you know, when I got into like loving bodybuilding is how I fell into all of it in the first place in the late nineties. Like I have like probably two decades of every muscle and fitness, every flex, every whatever. Yeah. And what are the, what are the articles written in there for like training? I mean, once you read them for like two or three years straight, like you're kind of reading things on repeat, right? It's yeah. like, who's got yeah. the best arms writing about arms? Who's got the best legs writing about legs? And it's the end of the day. It's like, well, it's, I think it's obvious for a lot of people that if like someone, whoever has the best arms, especially at that level, there's yeah. a component of maybe they could have done almost anything and maybe they would look great, you know? So it's like, again, I'm, I, I, I look at that stuff all the time. So again, I mean, if I, if I think about how I got into bodybuilding, that's the joke is like, I literally, I've been in the place. I remember I was told this story a couple of times when I got to university. And I was around some guy that was way smarter than me. I didn't even know at the time the guy had competed in bodybuilding. He was the director of strength and conditioning at the University of Florida. He was then a professional triathlete. The guy had like 10 plus years of experience on me. And he was giving a presentation to a group of people about considerations with like the barbell bench press. Mm -hmm. And basically just saying like, obviously, everyone's arm length is different. Shoulder, you know, chest ribcage size is different. He didn't say at any point in time, good or bad. I mean, he didn't use like TF in there either. He didn't say who the fuck would do this. <laughs> so maybe that kudos for him. He's got yeah. to step up on me. Yeah. But I literally remember sitting there. I was probably 19 or 20 and I was pissed. I was literally angry. I was like this yeah. fucking guy. I was like, I didn't hear a word that he said after anything. Cause in my brain, it was like Arnold had said you, you barbell bench press. Like that's yeah. the end all be all. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, to this day, I would never say that's a bad exercise, but it's one of those things where it's as subtle as like, you know, you're going to tell me somebody shouldn't stop a half inch off their chest and that might be better just because their, their arms a half inch longer than somebody else or, you yeah, know, or that yeah. type of thing. So, you know, it's like, you know, bent over rows are great. Um, and again, it's at the end of the day, you still have tension on your lats. You're still using your back. Um, so again, if on an individual conversation level with anybody have at it, but it's, again, it's tough for me to, again, I still, I, I, at the end of the day, I try and have 
consistencies with anything that I'm putting out based off just, you know, the stuff that I've attempted to learn. Yeah. And, um, and that's always at the end of the day when, again, cause a lot of people are coming from, you know, use that context, which again, I think is great context. It's just, I look at it maybe through a slightly different lens. Yeah. Do you think it's important to, when you're training, do you think it's important to stick to exercises that you feel the most? Because I sometimes reluctantly do barbell rows. Like when mm-hmm. I do, when I do a T-bar, and, yeah. and I'm not trying to harp on the baby handle thing anymore because I'm talking yeah, about yeah, sure. cuz I'm talking about whether I do a mid grip or inner grip or whatever. When yeah. I do it when I do a T-bar row, I actually feel a lot more in my back when I'm done that exercise than when I do a barbell row. So the question isn't about the, the baby handle. The yeah. question the question is whether someone's doing a squat or whether someone's doing a bench or whatever they're doing. I'm always conflicted with newer guys because they're like, "Well, I feel this more." Yeah. And I'm in my head I'm like, "Well, if you feel that more, that's the thing you should go to." But yep. at the same time, I also feel like if you're new, you should be trying to learn other things so you can feel them. Yeah. But where do you stand on that for a beginner or for even an advanced person? Yeah. Uh, pretty much what you said, I, I agree 100%. Um, like for you, you know, you should go by feel. It should at least be a very large percentage of what you're doing because you know what the right feel feels like at this point in time. And, and I joke that there's not to get too deep, but there's a, the interesting thing is there's a different feeling associated with a different muscle length. So like, you know, like if you're hitting a pose or if I said, Hey, like flex your bicep, like you're going to do this. Yeah. Like yeah. no one ever t- does their arm straight. Like you can flex your bicep with your arm straight, but yeah. you can't yeah. fucking feel it. Yeah. And the reason yeah. is because there's a different feeling from a fully shortened muscle to a fully lengthened. And so for that example, like almost anybody you ask the first time, like they compare like a leg extension or a squat, like mm-hmm. almost everyone's going to say, Oh, I feel leg extensions. Like yeah. who the hell doesn't feel leg extensions? Who doesn't feel that hard crampy contraction thing? Yeah. But I would argue, even though you don't have quite that same feeling on a squat, squats in some way are a superior exercise like if i had to you know the whole argument if you had to do one exercise for quads would it be a squat variation or leg extension mm-hmm. and i'd argue a squat variation just for you know what a muscle is capable of doing at various lengths so yeah i think for the beginner they don't they don't know what feel they're looking for when they start you know so that's the case where i think it's important to like look at patterns so again there's reasons that the big movements that have always worked always worked um so i think that's a great place to start and then, yeah, I think it's worth taking your time to just have like, you know, subtle variation from there. So again, it's as simple as like, you know, like I said, like, what's the difference? Um, again, if you're looking at arm length, again, the same example, come back, back to bench. Like maybe for you, if I, if I touch my chest, I start to feel all my shoulders and shit starts to hurt. Yeah. Or if I stop a half inch off, oh my, I feel my chest the whole time and my shoulders don't hurt. Like that level of kind of common sense. Yeah. And again, I always use the example of like, you know, Dorian, it's, you know, he didn't do flat barbell bench press. He figured out obviously incline work better. He used a converging machine as his main flat movement, mm-hmm. you know, and so stuff like that where it's like, it's, but at the same time, it's all pressing, you know, it's just variations basically of pressing stuff as well too. So yeah, yeah I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying. And I, I say that that's a, that's a tricky thing. Cause if you really think through every muscle, when you train it, when it's fully shortened and contracted, you can really, really feel it. But yeah. that, that always doesn't equate to in my opinion, what's going to be the best for actually putting size on the same example. If you look at anybody, if I look at chest, like, you know, anytime you get a really contracted feeling in a fly. Yeah. I mean, I think those are great exercises to include, but I don't think they're going to have as much, you know, force production put on as much size as a good press that fits you well. Can you explain, and, and that's actually good and forgive me, I was paying attention, but I'm just making notes because for sure. I, want to, I want to make sure we, cause we cover some of the things I have questions while you're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something about the squat and the leg press and you said the leg yeah. press people feel more, but the squat is about leg, leg, leg extension. Sorry. Oh, Did leg I extension. Leg press? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I know what you mean. So anyway, but it's yeah. regardless whether it's leg press or leg extension, but you mm-hmm. said the squat is a superior exercise. So 
Can you explain to somebody that might think, well, if I feel this more, it must be working better. Yeah. Can you explain why the squat or why the bench press necessarily is better than the fly if the fly yeah. makes you feel better? Because yep. the, the common sense thing would think, well, if the feeling the contraction harder, then it's going to be building more muscle, but that's not the case. Yeah, I would argue it's not the case. Um, just for the reason that, so again, kind of like basic muscle physiology is if you literally like you took a muscle out of the body and they've actually done this. Like, so if you yeah. literally take a muscle out and you zap it, you don't use your brain, you use something else to zap it and they measure where it's capable of producing force. It's stronger and it's kind of lengthened in mid ranges okay. and it's really weak in short range. So literally it's, if you met, obviously every muscle is bone to bone pool, it can't produce hardly any force. And at the end of the day, I mean, people use different terms for it now, like force or mechanical tension. It's kind of all the same thing. Whatever exercises produce the most bone-to-bone pull, the most bone-to-bone force, I think those are the ones that you want to put the majority of your stock in. And again, if you use your example of what's always worked, those are the big movements. I mean, so if you look at comparing like a, a squat, so if you go to the bottom of a squat, you know, you have your hamstring covering your calf, your full knee flexion, that's a quad loaded when it's pretty much fully lengthened. And it's the heaviest where it's fully lengthened through basically oh, its mid-range. Where like a leg, a leg extension, obviously, you're not getting anywhere near its full length, maybe a little bit mid-range but it's loading that quad where it's fully shortened. So let me just clarify just so I can understand you hundred percent. So yeah, because sometimes the terminology throws me off. So the longer the muscle, the more force I'm driving, like the longer you can make the muscle, the more force you're going to get out of it. Technically again, not this a big deal, but it's in like the mid ranges actually. But so like if, if I had to do it, like just if I, just so everyone for clarification for anyone listening, the middle tends to be where they're the strongest then the lengthened and then the shortest is where the weakest. And the most important but, thing people should know. Yeah, go ahead. Out of those, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Just no, <laughs> have at it. So out of those three, the longest, the mid range and the shortest, mm-hmm. where do we build the most muscle? Like where should we be to build the most muscle? The mid and lengthened range for sure. Okay. And if so you, and if you, if you look ahead. at the bit, if you look at the biggest movements, like that's what a squat does. That's what a leg press does. That's what a hack does. That's what a chest press does. That's what a shoulder press does. All those movements overload your muscles where they're strongest. But if I look at a leg extension, and, I, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, I'm just trying to For fully sure. understand. Yep. If I look at if I put the seat all the way back on a leg, mm-hmm. like the top part where that's where you lean against yeah. it. If I put that seat all the way back and then I hook my legs under, that yep. quad is lengthened. One of your quads. So you have you have a technically four or five. That's just nerd stuff that doesn't matter. But let's say you have four quads. Only one of them crosses over your hip. So when you lean back, you'll feel that stretch in one quad muscle, but your other three don't change at all. Okay. Okay. So I yeah, actually know I, which, which quad uh, are you talking about the center two? It's the rectus femoris is the one that crosses over your hip. So that's a muscle that can extend your knee and flex your hip. And for those that don't know, that's the center, the center of your quad. Right? Yeah. It's kind of in yeah. the center. Yep. Yep. Okay. So when you're doing a squat, you're lengthening all four heads of the, of the quad. Yes. And technically, I mean, so again, to get nerd, this doesn't matter for practical standpoint, but that rec fem is the only one that's not probably fully lengthened because technically the, the, the squat you'd have to do to fully lengthen would be like a sissy squat. Yeah. That's where you lean the back. Only, yeah. Where you lean back. So, and that's yeah. anyone, anyone that's done that sensation, obviously if you pull your, you know, basically your, your calf into your hamstring and flex your knee, like you'll feel a little bit of a stretch, yeah. but you'll really feel that stretch when you lean back, but you're really only feeling one muscle stretch significantly compared to the other, you know, the other three. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So what about in a bench press? Because if we do, or not a bench press, but a fly, because if I do mm-hmm. a fly and I, you know, if I put the pins back, I can extend yeah. all the way. So now that's fully lengthened. Yeah. So why would a bench press be better? 
because I'm not getting because uh, I'm not getting fully lengthened in yeah. the bench press, right? I so I honestly, if we're talking a dumbbell fly or a machine fly or whatever it is, um, it depends on the machine. It depends on so honestly, for for me, the argument like a dumbbell uh, fly would be basically almost just as good as a, as a press. The only difference, honestly, is I would say pressing is a little bit safer for your joints than flies. That's so hard for me to believe, and the only, <laughs> well, not believe, but. I guess it's hard for me to grasp, but the only the only way I can make sense of it is you would never is it just because you can load the muscle more in a press? To a certain extent. So it's again nerd stuff that doesn't matter a whole lot. But if you can if you have a very lighter load further away, I mean obviously that's why you you know you can fly with whatever 50 pounds, but you can press with hundred pounds. Yeah. But at the same time, everyone talks about shearing force to have basically this, you could have essentially let's say you're you know, you you bend your arm and straighten your arm. You know, yeah. so basically a hundred pound dumbbell is going to have the same impact as basically a 50 pound fly, but the fly, you just got to trust me on this one produces more shear at the shoulder joint. So it's more actually shear. a little bit. What does yeah, shear mean? Shear. So shearing basically is, you know, when you're doing a fly, imagine you didn't have any muscles at your shoulder and we were just hanging onto a dumbbell, your whole arm would rip off your body. I mean, it would okay. literally just fall straight backwards. Yeah. And so, I mean, it makes sense, right? Obviously you actually have muscles that have to produce enough force to keep your shoulder joint, basically your humerus in the head of your shoulder so yeah. that you can actually do this. So it's something your body produces basically to keep your joints from dis- disassembling. Okay. So um, you're, so you're saying to me a 50 pound fly mm-hmm. produces the same amount of, and when you say force, do you mean like, you know, I'm going to speak in total layman's terms, but when you say force, you're saying it, it's going to help me build the same amount of muscle as doing a hundred pound dumbbell press. So the, the similar thing that I would say, so let's, for argument's sake, let's just say that, you know, this, this part of your arm and this part of your arm are the same length. Yeah. So if we're looking from above, this takes it twice as far away from the joint. If it's literally twice as far away, then yes, what your muscles have to do will be arguably the same thing with a 50 pound fly that a hundred pound dumbbell does. And what's the, what we're talking this, about, again, this is this, the, the stuff that, again, in my opinion, that doesn't matter, but what is this? We're talking torque. So that's what your muscles respond to mm-hmm. is they manage joints and that's what they manage. That's the type of force of joints that they manage. Well, it doesn't, you're, you're, I mean, you're right. It doesn't matter. People aren't going to stop doing presses, but it matters to me because I'm going to a, a deeper point, which is, um, and, and it's not really a point I'm trying to make because I don't know. It's more of a question. Yeah. This is where I struggle with a lot of the scientific people that are overly scientific. And I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. you. I'm just saying mm-hmm. when people get too in the weeds, I'm like, it's not a bad thing, but I also feel like I would never ever tell somebody that a 50 pound dumbbell fly will do the same thing for them as a hundred pound dumbbell press. And I'm, and I'm not saying I'm right. I could be mm. 100% wrong, but. Well, I'm, I'm saying you should do the hundred pound dumbbell press is what I'm actually saying. So if you said, but, I if said it build, that, but, but if it builds the same amount of muscle, why would I? Because it's easier on your joints. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would why, why would I fly at all then? Um, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty good question. I would say the biggest difference is if you do a press, you're stuck in the amount of rotation you have at your joint, right? Okay. So it's like, if you, obviously, if you turn this way, you drop the dumbbell, you turn this way, you drop the dumbbell. With a fly, you can have all sorts of stuff. So obviously, you could have a fly where you're a little bit more like this or a little bit more like this. So like this position, you can tend to run out of joint range. So there's a reason that people feel like they can get a deeper stretch. And, mm-hmm. and the reason is, obviously, when you, when you change the way your humerus sits on the side of your shoulder, yeah. then that actually changes your ability sometimes to produce range of motion. And that changes stuff at your pec. So it actually... I would say maybe it gets you more range of motion and arguably it actually changes some things of what your pec does. Cause this kind of stuff changes pec length as well too. Okay. It's interesting. I like, I, I like getting the, I never even considered that, but obviously you're going to get a different angle. 
you're going to be able to build more muscle. So it makes sense. Um, do you think, are people trying to do too much in the gym? Is it, are people forgetting about the basics or do you think the basics are not as important as I may, may make them? No, I think people do way too much. I'd say that's probably one of the biggest problems. Um, I, I like the notion of um, one of the biggest, again, if I'm saying a concept that everyone should adhere to is what's the least you can do to produce the most results. Um, so again, if you could have, I, I think there's almost, there's rare exceptions where you couldn't kind of fully train a muscle with three exercises. And I think most people would benefit from kind of having that notion, like what's the least I can do to get the most out of it um, and avoid to some degree redundancies within their training. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I would argue like that's the, the terminology that I use. Obviously I didn't make up who, know, who the hell knows what made up, but it's like meat and potato exercises. Yeah. Like for anybody that actually kind of hears my whole deal is like 80 to 90% of your actual time spent in the gym. So the actual time you're in the gym should be spent on those exercises. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, if you're looking at something that maybe you can't do with those exercises, that I would kind of argue is, you know, um, is important just based on the same thing historically. And then I could make a, an argument from a sciencey standpoint that you could have some other exercises to train muscle lengths that you didn't train. So ranges of motion that you didn't train. So again, if you're doing like a bench press, the example of like a complete, now chest is a little bit different because obviously it's like you got a lot of different fibers. Yeah. But for the most part, you want a, a heavy press is going to overload that muscle where it's strongest. And then I would argue the reason that people kind of do this stuff they do is basically with some sort of fly variation, you might be able to get it at a length you didn't get before. And then when some sort of contraction in here type thing, you get it fully contracted and shortened where you didn't get it before. Mm -hmm. And so that's three movements. And I would argue that's a pretty damn complete chest workout. So why do, so I talked to Terrence Ruffin. Uh, I had mm -hmm. him on the podcast and I know you, you help him with his training. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the reasons I like your style a lot is because you teach people all these different ranges, but as far as Terrence is concerned and Luke, you know, I know you helped Luke a little bit too. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as they were concerned, your 80 or 90% of what you do is the basics. It's like, yeah, you really focus on, you know, like Terrence was saying, if you're doing three exercises, the first two are basically old school, hardcore exercises. Mm -hmm. And the third one might be something a little different that is going to get the muscle a different feel. Is that kind of your style? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, if you look at, so the thing that, again, if anybody, if you look at how, like exactly like you said, I mean, almost any body part of the first two or three, but the only thing I'm not attached to is very subtle things, you know? So mm -hmm. if you look at, um, you know, like Terrence is like, as opposed to, you know, a close grip uh, barbell press, I have him do a close grip Swiss bar press. And okay. just for the reason that I would make the argument is that for him specifically, I know it fits him better, but I would also make the argument is most people that would fit better. And as opposed yeah. to anything, you know, he doesn't do any curls with a barbell because for that him specifically, it doesn't fit at all, but we do all the big curls just with dumbbells instead. So we just do subtle variations. So that's kind of the big thing that it's tough. It's not an easy thing to figure out. Um, again, like how do you know if something doesn't fit or something's going to hurt? Um, but again, for the most part, it's all, like you said, it's, it's big movements. It's just, again, depending on the individual and what they've got going on, I'm not attached to like, it has to be done this exact way. Yeah. But that, that actually brought up a question. How do you know, and this is actually good for a lot of the listeners out there. Mm -hmm. How do you know when something fits or doesn't? Like sometimes, like I find, my, like, for example, you said close grip bench or yeah. close grip barbell. Press. I, I fucking hate it. And yeah. not, not necessarily because of my wrists. I just, mm -hmm. all I do, I just get a chest pump out of it. I don't yeah. get anything in my arms. Yeah. So is it, how do you know, or how would you suggest that somebody goes about figuring out if something is good for them or not? Because I know we talked yeah. about feeling, but you know, we didn't yeah. really say why it yeah. might not be good. So, I mean, there's some quick things, hopefully I can give everybody that will help. And some of it's honestly 
common sense. But again, it's the same shit that I did wrong for a decade in spite of common sense. Um, and then some of it, to be honest, is, is a little bit tricky because you just have to have like some of the things there's the, the common sense thing is if it hurts, don't do it. Or if okay. you don't feel it, don't do it. Right. I mean, that, and that sounds common sense. But so I use myself as an example. I was pissed off when that guy was talking about a bench press, but I made myself bench press until I was probably 25, 26. And I literally injured my shoulder three or four times. The last time I did it, my shoulder was actually separated. Like the cartilage oh. had gotten to the point where it was diagnosable as separated. Yeah. And I was literally like, and then when every time I did bench press, I mean, I'd feel a little bit in my chest, but I'd literally be that guy that would get off the sets and be like rubbing his shoulder and shit. Yeah. And like, that was just, I didn't need somebody fucking smart to be like, that's, it's a chest exercise. You're a bodybuilder. You don't, or, you know, you're trying to put on muscle. You're not a power lifter. Yeah. Um, so some of it is literally, I think people don't take the time to just do that. And again, that's how you figure out like, Oh, how low should I go on like a shoulder press or where should I go on this thing? Like a lot of people, they just grab weight and they don't even actually do this. Like if I see guys that like, if you actually tried to pull down, like this is where you'd end up on a shoulder press and yeah. then they just put 135 on the bar and let it go here. And then they wonder why their shit hurts. Right. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. that's the, the, probably the easiest thing that I can give people. If you can't go there pain free with no weight, then don't, don't put weight on the bar. And again, I, I know for a fact there's guys, cause again, I've been that guy that never actually try the exercise without any weight. Like if you pull the hands down, like again, how do you know how low you should go on a bench press, yeah. pull your hands down with no weight. And if they don't go to the point where it's to your chest, why the hell would you think that's a good idea when you have a barbell in your hand? So that's the, there's some common sense stuff with that. But like the little stuff that I look for is, you know, the other thing is we just have like guidelines that you could argue make the most sense. So again, if we're looking back to the close grip bench press, like the reason, and I, again, I'm in the same boat. That was another exercise I switched to and then eventually kept hurting myself on despite, cause again, I, I learned a lot of stuff from uh, uh, one point in time from Charles Polkwin and he's huge on like this. He calls it cause it's fancy, like the biochromial bench press, which is just a close grip bench press. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, fucking Polkwin said I have to do this shit and, or I'm not a man basically. And so I made myself do it. And like the subtle differences. So like, if I do this, like this is a good example for like, when I try and pronate all the way down, like to get to where I need on the bar, you can literally see how my elbow like flares yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. And if you're doing a close grip, you really just want your hand stacked above your elbow for the most part. Yeah. And so again, if I do a neutral grip, I can literally do the it's exact same there, thing yeah. as far as, yeah, my shoulder joint and all that kind of stuff. So that's subtle stuff where it's like, I mean, I wish there was an easy answer for some of that stuff. Um, but that's a little, like most people probably can't tell if they're doing this and like, Oh God, my elbows are flying. And even if it's one of those things where, Again, who who is this matter for? You know, if somebody only trains for two or three years, they're never going to know, right? But the yeah. lens that I do stuff is like, well, why does somebody care about who the fuck cares about this half inch here or this half inch here or whatever? Like my argument is if you do it the way a bodybuilder does it, the amount of load for the amount of repetitions for the amount of volume for how many years, you're just trying to make the best decisions to avoid itis. I mean, that's where that stuff comes from. You know, nobody wakes up, like nobody does an exercise once and the next day they're like, oh, fuck, I got tendonitis, yeah. right? It's something yeah. that like slowly creeps up and it's literally most of the time, by the time you feel a symptom, it's from like 10 years of subtle stuff. You know what I mean? Kind of adding up over time. So that's a lot of that stuff where it's like, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I get it like from a, you know, from a bird's eye view, like who the hell cares about a half an inch? Like why the hell do yeah. care about this little tiny stuff? And I'm like, well, again, to, to a certain extent, the people I'm trying to speak to are like, well, I, I've seen these things happen. There's a reason that, you know, any bodybuilder that's 30 or over, you got something wrong, right? Yeah. Some more yeah. than others. And I think- yeah. And some of it, I think, is to a degree just realistically unavoidable, but a lot of it, I think, is is preventable to a certain degree. How much do you think someone can avoid either an injury or a tendonitis? Yeah. Let's say they were doing everything the way, like you say, those half-inch movements that make everything fit right. Yeah. Do you think someone, like, how much more longevity? Like, for example, I started training at, like, 20. Yeah. By 27, my elbows were destroyed right yep 
Yeah. It could, could be because I was doing close grip T bar rows, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> it definitely wasn't that. It's blaming on something else. <laughs> but the point is, um, if I had done everything perfectly, is it more of a genetic thing or is it because my form was shit or because, you know, I just was forcing things that didn't need to be done or like what, yeah. compo- what component of that do you kind of attribute to people with all these little injuries and things? Yeah. It's, I mean, honestly, it's, it's tough to say like the reality is it's going to be on a scale, right? Again, there's yeah. shades of gray and there's nuance. And, um, but I think, I think a lot of stuff. So like one, like acute injury, I think should always be avoidable, you know? So again, like getting injured in the gym, Right. Like again, most people that know if they just listen to that basic stuff of not doing stuff where it hurts and just using actual control, using your muscles and not momentum and shit. Um, and then the overuse stuff, some stuff I think is very preventable um, because I've seen it as well too. Like even tendons and things like that, like tendons are soft tissue, you know, so that can recover to a certain degree. So I've seen it firsthand with myself and with people where it's like, Hey, let's just stop doing this movement. Let's start doing this movement. And over time, things actually move the right direction. You know, yeah. if you can move from the point, because I've been the same thing. I've been to the point where like my elbows were like a nine out of 10. And yeah. you know how it is. Like half of it is like a bodybuilder. Like you don't care. Like you're like, ah, oh, I can go through this. But yeah. you also know that you see, you see the writings on the wall. You're like, well, if it's a nine out of 10, what the fuck happens when I get the 10 out of 10? <laughs> and, uh, and so, so I honestly, with some stuff, I think it's, it's um, avoidable. I think it's reversible. Um, and some stuff, I, I don't know for sure. So if we look at cartilage stuff, I don't know how much of that kind of stuff is avoidable because cartilage doesn't regrow. Yeah. And, um, and I think some stuff where you literally just have bone on bone and you have wear patterns and I and you can make the argument that what bodybuilders do, you're not supposed to do. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, I think that lends itself. The only thing I tell people with that is, you know, if you literally look at as how many reps do you have is like little grains of sand and like a hourglass or whatever the hell the thing's called. Yeah. Like yeah. that's why I kind of am an advocate of lower volume training. Because mm-hmm. even when you do everything right, I'm like, I think you kind of only have so many reps until you start to have stuff accumulate. So if you can get, that's why I say one of my big principles is try and do as little as possible to produce as most results. If for no other reason that I think in some reasons it works better, but also for the reason that it's, will, you know, keep you in the game a lot longer. And then again, if you want to look at evidence from different bodybuilders, you know, I mean, I think there's reasons that I'm not saying anything negative about anybody, but you look at great, you know, Mr. Olympia's like Ronnie, like Jay and like Dorian. And I think we can see some of the things that they may or may not have done. We're going to use Jay's. One of my favorite examples is like a bodybuilder. Obviously like he came out and he's doing pretty great. Right. I mean, he looks awesome. He can still train. And so, I mean, I think some of it's a little bit where it's, um, you know, I, and again, Jay's a guy that did big, heavy compound movements, but I think he just did them in a manner where he didn't, you know, feel any, he had to do things or had to push things to a certain degree. You know, he knew how to make subtle adjustments and how to make things harder. Yeah. without necessarily just I got to keep putting more and more plates on the bar and you know do whatever so I mean I think there's a lot of examples of bodybuilders who come out of all varying degrees you know basically making some subtle decisions along the way of what they felt like they had to do or didn't have to do yeah the, the caveat to that though is Jay was a super high volume guy and yeah. and I'm not disagreeing with you theoretically you'd say to yourself less volume means less wear and tear means I'll be yeah. around longer for sure but but Dorian Yates was a low volume guy and he destroyed yeah. his body. Yeah. Ronnie Coleman, I guess was a high volume guy. And he destroyed his body. He was kind of everything. So, right? Yeah. So I just, I, what I'm trying to say, I guess is, I don't know if it really like, that's another one where the theory doesn't really match the practicality because you have Jay who's like, you know, I just had Jay, I did a Q and a with Jay just recently. And yeah. he, he was telling me he did six exercises. For he sure. told me, he told me he did 20 sets for every body part. Yeah. Even, even, and I was like, I said, even biceps, like it's this big, the muscles like yeah. that. 
He's like, yeah, doesn't matter. 20 yeah. seconds. Yeah. So he's like a super high volume person and he's out kind of unscathed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's hard well, so to, to that, kinda... I know. I, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. So it's like looking at an individual, you know, if, if I would give something again, maybe this is cherry picking a little bit. And then obviously it is hard with that population too. Cause it's like, yeah. you're looking at the biggest freaks of all time. Right. Yeah. And um, in some capacity and they're, they're also different. Right. I mean, the fact that like, it seems like Jay basically didn't get lean as easy as those other two guys. Yeah, so maybe that yeah. could lend himself for the way that he had to train. And then you can even make the argument of like, they could lend himself for like the kind, like look at how he looked when he was 15 or 16 years old. Like his, he maybe just had a body that needed that amount of volume and he figured out what worked best. Yeah. But if I'm cherry picking, I think like the thing that I give Jay is he really figured out exercise selection. I think like, again, he did a lot of the basics, but if you really look back and watch his training videos and stuff, you know, he did what felt best. He didn't have any problems using the Smith machine at times or other machines at times or using mm-hmm. a barbell when he felt mm-hmm. like that. So again, again, maybe it's cherry picking and, and maybe it's just trying to kind of, that, that is the whole tough part looking at any population is like, well, there might be something different going on with their joints and all that kind of stuff. And, but the argument I would make with Dorian, you know, is Dorian had like, you know, he had two injuries that ended his career. Like he's actually, he's doing pretty good now, right? He's pretty healthy, I, mean, I guess, overall. Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and I would say his injuries, they were both acute, right? So they were okay. things that actually happened in the gym. It wasn't necessarily like he destroyed his joints and stuff over time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the subtle thing. I could be completely wrong, but I always say the example of like, I know how obviously massive Dorian is and how big his frame was, you know, and he tore his bicep doing underhand rows. I would guess it'd be one of those subtle things. It's like, he just probably couldn't quite comfortably get there on his own. Yeah. smashed himself onto a bar and his bicep was just like fuck you eventually where if he had done overhand grip in the first place or if he had had an option for like a neutral grip or something maybe he wouldn't have seen that happen and again that's just yeah. that's just guessing yeah. um, but that's like the subtle things where it's like obviously when he was doing it like how the hell would you know if you should i go there should i not go there but that's why i just try and tell them like some of that stuff is is arbitrary like right like i gotta grab a barbell mm-hmm. but like your body doesn't know if it's a barbell or if it's a fucking rock or whatever you know what i mean it's yeah. like that you may or may not have that range um so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's definitely, it's tough. I mean, I, cause again, I like to look at those guys and obviously you want to look at the evidence of what they did, but it is tough for me to say something like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't use so much volume. And then you got, you know, then Jay's like, well, what the hell do you look at that? And then you got, you, got, you don't ever want to look at a guy like Michael Hearn Like, who the fuck knows what's going on in his body. Right. Like that guy can just do whatever the hell he wants to do. And I, and honestly, the funny thing is like, everybody gets all butthurt is natural. It's not, I, I care less. He could be a fucking alien from another planet. He could be from Krypton for all yeah. we know. Yeah. It doesn't even matter anything of that. Like, if obviously if he was taking something, we'd all be fucking taking it. Cause I don't understand how he looks the way that he does year round, how his joints aren't fucking disassembling. He's just a freak of nature. And, um, so it's tough. I mean, you always kind of have that, you have the balance where you're trying to make, obviously, you know, see like all these different populations and try and get some broad guidelines from them. But again, it's really tough. Cause again, I'm just, I'm guessing I'm, I, you know, you can kind of always go to that. Oh, well his genetics or that genetics. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's somewhat real, but also sometimes it could be just kind of, using it as an excuse too it's right out, it's like, out, yeah yeah for sure so it's everything I, everything's kind of got nuance everything's kind of a double-edged sword with that right i have my own theory on it and that's and it's kind of going to lead me to my next question but i always feel like jay has left unscathed more than any other bodybuilder more so because he didn't really i don't he doesn't really seem to believe in failure he's gone heavy you know he said yeah. you know, he used to do 600 pound squats and he's done you know 160s for shoulder press blah 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 yeah but he also said that he's always trained alone and he never really yeah. goes to failure after perfect form is, is done. He's just like, for sure. That's the last good rep I could do rack move on. Mm-hmm. So it kind of leads me, that's kind of my theory as to why he's done so well uh, health wise, but it leads me to my next question, which is a constant 
debate. Do you have to lift heavy to get huge? And do you have to train to failure to get huge? Like yeah. both, of, both of those are kind of like a, a constant thing I see online. For sure. So we'll start, yeah. let's start with the, let's start with the, do you have to train heavy to get big? Yeah. I mean, I think the short answer is yes. And again, but it just depends on, you know, I think you and I both know like what, what makes something heavy. I mean, it's again, in, in the, in the reality of, you know, looking at guys like you professional, but I've never seen a professional bodybuilder, you know, minus maybe Paul Dillette. I don't know if that's mean to say or whatever, but I've never really seen a professional bodybuilder, anyone that I wouldn't consider strong. Right. You yeah. know, there, but there's degrees. And Relatively, so it's again, yeah. 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 And so, but I think it's, it's just the only difference there that I think maybe confuses things a little bit is just how someone standardizes form. And I don't think it makes, again, from someone from the outside, like I could see somebody press four plates for 10 reps and, and it'd be pretty good form. Or I could have somebody press, you know, 365 um, with what everyone can say, wow, that's some freaking perfect form I've ever seen. And basically they could argue from a muscle standpoint, I think have the same thing happening actually at the muscle. You know, you can make the argument for joints or other stuff. So I think, I think there's, I don't think there's any actual examples of people that are huge that aren't strong. And again, you'll just see subtle variations from person to person. Cause then there's yeah. other things where it's like, Oh, this person deadlifts eight plates and you know, this person de- doesn't or whatever. And sometimes literally stuff people don't think about like, well, if you got monkey arms or T-Rex arms, you know, T-Rex arms guy is never going to be the best deadlifter in the world. And monkey arms guy is going to be a great deadlifter. And that might well, not actually. anything. Let me, yeah. let me interrupt you for one second, just because I want to quantify it so we can answer the question better. Yeah. Let's quantify it by saying lifting heavy is your max for eight reps. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I consider yeah. that the, probably the perfect range for building muscle in my, yeah. in my opinion anyway. So yep. let's say whatever the weight is, let's say you're a beginner and the most you can bench is 135 for eight, yeah. eight reps. Mm-hmm. Does that kid have to, or man or whoever beginner have to do the 135 for eight reps if he wants to grow or can he do 95 pounds, you know, for 20 reps every day, every week and just keep growing? Or is it going to like, where's the, where's the line there? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, man, it's a tough question. And I think this is one where, cause obviously there's, there's theory. I, I think that's an example. Theory would say if yeah. you're getting stronger at 20 reps, then you can still keep getting bigger. But I would honestly say there's a reason that in practice, no one does that. Um, mm. So my short answer would be like, I don't know why someone would do that. To be honest, I think someone should stick within the rep ranges that make the most sense. Um, and again, somebody smarter than me has a really cool theory and his is all, it has a lot of evidence behind it and stuff that makes the most sense to me that explains a whole lot of stuff. And basically his whole theory, this guy's name is Chris Beardsley. He's a you know, really smart nerd guy, but he does like cool stuff where he actually like kind of makes trends instead of saying, Hey, this one study says this, so you should do this. Like that's idiotic yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. But if we have a body of evidence and then he looks at what actually people do in the gym, his kind of theory, I think is he coined it maybe is called like effective reps. Okay. And basically he talks about proximity to failure. So again, using your example of eight, uh, if you train to eight to failure, he basically says the last five reps for a multitude of reasons are the ones that actually change your body. And okay. I think if you look at it like that, that's why some people, so if you, maybe if you're more of a hit style person and you get five effective reps in one set going all the way to it, yeah. or if you're a guy that stays two or three sets, two or three reps short of failure, but does two or three sets instead, you could have a similar amount of effective reps, if that makes sense. It does. And so sense. I think, yeah. And I think that, and I, again, when I actually look at, I like his stuff because you know, he goes back into maybe, maybe what we think is happening from a physiological standpoint. But then you look back over, like you said, you look at people like Jay, you look at people like Dorian that have all kind of done it different ways. And I think the thing you have to do is you, you have to train relatively close to failure, yeah. but I wouldn't say everyone has to train necessarily to failure. I would go as far as to say, I think most people 
will have to at some point. Yeah. Um, and again, because again, maybe, you know, using Dorian, using yourself or using someone else, like not everybody, maybe for other reasons can tolerate the volume you'd have to do at some point in time. Um, so again, if it's like, well, if I can do more effective reps with less sets, mm. I, I would tend to kind of point people that direction. Yeah. Um, but again, then it's one of those things where I would say volumes kind of like, I think that helps explain different things, but I still say volumes very individual. Um, because again, you look at someone like Jay, like I would say Jay figured it out. Perfect. Right. Like who the yeah. fuck would I be to say is like, Oh, you should have done lower volume. Like, you know, obviously he wouldn't have been tiny if he did lower volume, but I yeah. think he figured out what worked best for him. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. You look at somebody like, obviously, you know, James Hollingshead and like right now, obviously what he's doing with this training, he was for the longest time doing something that's a little bit more, you know, focused on kind of lower volume. Yeah. And now with his coach, he's kind of shifting to including a little bit more, what I would consider actual, like actual effective volume. So he's literally yeah. just yeah. doing a little bit more volume. Yeah. And obviously ask him, he's, he's responding well to it. I think, so I think most normal people when you're coming up, you know, I think it makes more sense to maybe do a little bit less and train a little bit closer to failure. But when you kind of reach like your guys level, the elite level, then it's tough to definitively say like at some point in time, like more volume does something right. I mean, that's the reason yeah. we're not doing one rep maxes. I mean, yeah. that's where volume starts is in the set. Like we pretty much all agree. One doesn't do it. Two and three doesn't do it. Like you said, maybe the bottom end starts around five or six. Um, so we know more volume is necessary. We just, I don't think anybody can say exactly how much is necessary. So basically I think what you're getting at more is a progressive overload. Is that what we're kind of talking about? Like you're never going to do that 95 pound bench for 20 reps forever. You're going to have to push yourself oh, yeah. past that point eventually if you want to get bigger. For sure. Yeah. Yep. And so again, the, the whole thing though is if you look at, I mean, so those are almost two slightly separate things. Um, but I would say for sure for your, to see if you're actually making progress, like progressive overload has to occur. There's no two ways around it. But that's, um, what but, I, I but, but, but that's what I mean. Sorry to interrupt, but that's what I mean by yeah. like, when I say you have to train heavy to get big, mm -hmm. isn't that still a proponent of progressive overload? I mean, even though like that's all part of it, right? Like you have yeah. to keep increasing the weight. And if you can't increase the weight, you have to increase the reps. Like something has to increase. Yes. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Okay. Cause yeah, that's the, no, there, that, that's the debate I keep seeing online is guys are like, well, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Or they'll, I'll see them. I'll see them comment on a pros page and be like, well, you didn't have to go to four plates. You could have did three plates. And I'm like, that no. guy's, that guy's not going to get any better. No. Well, so. like I said, I think the example I gave in the beginning is there's a little bit of like the difference is subtle. So again, you could make the argument that again, like I said, the example might be, do you have to do four plates or could mm -hmm. you do, you know, 20 pounds less than that with slightly better form? Yeah. You know, so again, I think, I think form is absolutely a component of progressive overload. But it's not like people that don't get it are going to use examples like that. It's like, oh, you don't have to do four plates. You can just do two plates really pretty. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, someone's form, <laughs> someone's form could get better and you could progress that way. But in actual practice, it's going to be subtle unless you just have some guy, you know, you get the guy with four plates on his back moving up and down half an inch. You know, that, guy, that guy's form progressing might drastically cut his loads. Like, and that's a, that's a silly yeah. example, but that's an example, right? Like you'd see a guy like that putting four, like, you know, moving from three plates to four plates to five plates. And every single time he puts a plate on his range of motion gets shorter. Yeah. Like that'd be an example of like, no, that's not progressive overload. That's something different, yeah, you know? Yeah. So for him, he could actually take three plates off the bar, get some good form and his legs actually grow. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's an extreme example. And then for, again, for most people at kind of the elite level, it would be just like, it would be the difference of maybe occasionally taking 20 pounds off the bar, clean stuff up a little bit, but then, yeah, you're still going to progress past that point eventually as well too. Okay. So in keeping with this topic, people usually talk about, um, can I train heavy or can I train light? Do I have to do to failure? Do I have to train to failure or not to failure? And we've kind of already answered those questions, but 
I guess I want to dig a little bit deeper. What is the function of, and I'm, I'm going to lead to a final question, but I just want a quick rapid fire. For here. sure. What's the function of your slow twitch muscle fibers? The function of slow twitch muscle yeah, fibers? Is, that, is it more explosive power? Slow, no, slow. I mean, slow twitch is more endurance based. I, mean, I guess what's, yeah. That's, so what's, that's what I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. So, so you have your, the nature of your question. The nature of the question is, and, and I thought of this theory myself and it could be yeah. way off base, but you have your, your fibers in your body that are meant for endurance and fibers that are meant for explosive power. Is mm-hmm. that, is that so far I'm on the kind of right? To a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I was thinking is a lot of people say, do I have to train heavier? Do I have to train light? And what I found in my career over 20 years is I kind of need both. Mm-hmm. Like when I train legs, for example, mm-hmm. I'll do a lot of heavy stuff, but I might do a lot. I might add in a couple light exercises as well and yeah. for more volume. And I find that my legs have actually developed better from, yeah. from having a little bit of both instead of just saying, mm-hmm. nope, everything's got to be really heavy or mm-hmm. everything's got to be just pump workout. Yeah. And I, and I feel like people are stuck trying to debate A or B. And for it sure. It doesn't have to be A or B. It could be a combination. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the short answer is I agree. Um, I agree with everything that you're saying there. And, and, and um, some of it could be, especially with certain muscle groups. So again, anecdotally, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this to agree and I've definitely observed it. Like legs, legs are different than other body parts. Yeah. And again, whether we want to get nerdy or sciencey, you could actually make the argument and evidence kind of shows this, that there's a big mix between both. So again, like quads particularly and glutes particularly, there's a lot of fast twitch and a lot of slow twitch. Yeah. So yeah. I would argue I, I, the best legs in the world, in my opinion, have never been someone that are completely low volume. There's someone that basically has some heavy stuff, but it's normally people that are willing to go places that other people aren't going. Like that's yeah. why I think legs respond so well to drop sets, strip sets and stuff like that. Um, so I think the reason, again, that's like, that's who the hell could ever prove that. But like, who gives a shit? Like that's where I think evidence makes such a, a big difference. Like what are people yeah. actually doing to a certain degree? Yeah. Um, and, but then I would also say too, the thing that people to consider with that, and this is kind of, again, me learning from people smarter than me is, um, you know, if we're looking at force, arguably is the main thing that makes people grow is you can have some force production still, um, without heavy loads. And so I basically, yeah. it's the simple version, which people seem to agree upon the three things that dictate, um, force production is load. I would say probably is to some degree the most important. Um, but then is, um, fatigue and slow rep speed unintentionally slow rep speed. Yeah, so you think yeah. about obviously like that's people say, why do you have to train to failure? And like, what's the difference that occurs there? If I leave a few in the tank, well, the two big differences are you haven't accumulated the, uh, the same level of fatigue and you're not doing those grinder reps. There's yeah. actually like a, you know, there's this thing that's called the force velocity curve, which actually shows that when you're doing grinder reps, when you're moving unintentionally show, slow, your body can produce more force from an intramuscular standpoint. So okay. the muscles actually, and so that's the interesting thing when you have people that, again, that's not, that's honestly not my area of expertise. Like I don't care about that stuff. I just kind of want to know it. Cause obviously you want that stuff to kind of align, right? It's like, why the hell does this work? Yeah. Well, those are the things that happen different. And that's why, like you said, I think it's funny that anyone would really even, you know, I mean, again, the way you do it, I think is again, a little bit of personal application, but people since the beginning of time have been including, well, the beginning of time, the beginning of bodybuilding time, hundred years ago, <laughs> Yeah. I've been doing heavy stuff and then finishing with stuff where people know the effectiveness of things that are drop sets, strip yeah. sets, supersets. And I mean, I think everyone, if people will like kind of make the argument of like, well, obviously that stuff works. We kind of know that it works. We now kind of have theory that kind of shows again, we want to see what works in the gym and then it's nice if we can yeah. kind of align some theories, but yeah. all that stuff is with sub maximal load. Right. 
I mean, once you do your heavy stuff and then once you're doing strip sets and drop sets and stupid, stupid stuff at the end of a leg workout, yeah. I think anyone would be an idiot to say that that doesn't produce results. But yeah. at the same time, you have to say you're not using heavy load there, right? Yeah. I mean, you're in a fatigued state. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I would agree. It's, it's, it seems to me, like I said, certain body parts respond a little bit better than that to others. But to a certain degree, I mean, that's the style of training that I would say is the most prevalent um, and there's the most correlation with success in bodybuilding, you know, mm -hmm. heavy stuff first and then kind of individual dependent a little bit, body part dependent, incorporating some sort of pump stuff, basically stuff that's just taxing through fatigue, taxing through still hitting failure points, yeah. but you just don't maybe necessarily have the load. Yeah. Um, when, when I see somebody who gets this deep into training, cause I know like I, I used to watch Ben a lot, uh, Pakulski. And Ben was very, you know, you got to do it this way and you got to do it that way and you got to do it this slow and you got to have the point of intention and all these different things. And Ben developed a, an amazing physique for a, mm -hmm. a pro bodybuilder. But at the same time, it didn't look fun to me. Mm -hmm. So the question I'm asking you is, do you still in, like have fun training? Like, do you, it, are you so um, wrapped up in perfecting it that you've lost just the fun of it? Mm -hmm. Because it looks... Like when I see some of Ben's training, even though it worked for him, it doesn't look fun to me. Yeah. And is that a factor for you or does it matter? Like, Oh, it, it matters huge. Um, so like I have this thing, I mean, I feel like I've, I've said it out loud four or five times now, so maybe I'll stop saying it because it's turned into a catchphrase. But I think like all this kind of stuff, I mean, at, at its core, this is probably one of the most neglected things um, in, in bodybuilding and fitness and from a coaching standpoint is you should be very emotionally attached to why you train yeah. and very emotionally unattached to what specifically you're doing. Um, and so again, I have, I love, I love training. I mean, I had no fucking idea what I was doing when I started. When I was in high school, I trained three times a day. Yeah. Like my family thought I was insane. Like they all thought I had mental problems because I trained during school. I trained after school. I'd go to my job that I'd work and then I'd go train really light at another gym that I would pay for. Yeah. And again, I didn't know anything at that point in time about recovery. I didn't know shit. I just liked going in and training. <laughs> And, yeah. um, so again, my whole thing with everybody, and this is why I think people think like, you know, when, if, if like, again, if you told me and obviously, you know, or anybody told me like, Hey, I'm just going to use this handle, shut the fuck up. I'd be like, I'm not joking when I say, if, as long as you have a good reason for it, like yeah. have at it, because I tell people all the time I could show something that this makes the most sense on paper, but I make decisions when I go into the gym all the time and I'll stare at something and I'll be like, man, well, I know that's a little bit better, but I'm like, I'm too fucking impatient to set that shit up and I'm just going to go do something else. Oh, and you so do like, that? I think, oh, all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I want to go back to that. Go on with your point. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, so if you think about the, like being emotional for the reasons that you like to train are so important, like that's, that's because of adherence, right? Like no one has an amazing bodybuilding career that hates what they're doing. So again, yeah. that's the joke is like, if I, again, if you and I were talking or if anybody ever asked me for help, I've never made anyone do anything they hate, at least not long-term. I've shown somebody some exercise and like, Hey, this is fucking stupid. I don't want to do it. I'm like, don't, then don't do it. I mean, if you're literally, I can't, I can't say maybe even chemically what's occurring with someone if they're literally going through the motions of something they fucking hate because they're never going to adhere to it. <laughs> yeah. And so I make a joke if there's like, again, if we want to get like whatever, if you have a exercise that's 80% perfect on paper compared to this 100% perfect, but you will go after it with 100% effort, 100% focus, and yeah. you're fucking into it, you're going to get more out of that. And so like I tell everybody, like, I know my reasons for training, um, you know, obviously, hopefully more than anybody. And like the first reason that I train is like, so I don't murder people, like I need it mentally and yeah. emotionally, like, yeah. I need that outlet. So like, I will never, I've never done anything in the gym 
ever that like pissed me off or I didn't want to do. And I'll literally make decisions all the time. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'm just going to go do this instead because it's a quicker setup or whatever, that type of thing. It doesn't mean I'm going to like, I'm not, I, I still have to have some degree of alignment with my goal. Like I'm not going to randomly go in and start doing some fucking cleaning jerks one day and like yeah, destroy yeah. my body. Yeah, yeah. But it's like those subtle changes, you know, for sure change. And um, so, yeah, I mean, when I'm, when I'm trained, but I think that's the subtle thing that I think it, it's tough because looking at people uh, like practically so many people out there. And I think it's the nature of maybe social media and the internet, like not like blaming that, but we have so much information like at our fingertips now that depending on the type of person that you are, you might allow that information to paralyze you. And, um, yeah. and that, and that's what people do. And the, the thing that's different is like, I, I love this stuff. Like I fucking, I nerd on shit. Like I pay a shit ton of money to go learn from people smarter than me and just sit and be a nerd for four days straight. But like the difference is like when I go nerd somewhere, like I get up early in the fucking morning and I go train before anybody else. The rest yeah. of the nerds just come and nerd along. Like I'm going to get my shit done and I'm going to come and train. And I could have, I think if people just have this ability to like, people instantly want to label things. Right. And that's human yeah. nature. That's past bodybuilding. It's so much easier for people to place things in their brain of this is right. This is wrong. This is good. And this is bad. Mm -hmm. And if you want to evolve, like you need to be presented at information and I have it happen all the time. We'll be presented information and I'll be like, fuck, I don't know what to do with that. And like, it might be either like, I think maybe I'm too dumb right now to understand it. Maybe I just haven't seen the application. I don't know where this person's coming from, or I just don't, I'm just going to let it fucking sit there and marinate and maybe something happens and maybe something doesn't, but I don't label it, but I still go to the gym that day and I just do what I had planned. Like I go in and I, here's yeah. my workout and I work my ass off. And so I think people would be great if they could just be exposed to information mm -hmm. and not have to feel the need to respond or be emotional about it. Yeah. And that's a huge disconnect. Cause like you said, like, I mean, I, that's what I think. I, I think a lot of people, instead of trying to actually just go and train today, they'll spend like weeks on end, like trying to find the perfect split online and arguing with coaches that have different splits. And like, even any coach, I'm like, I always tell people like, I don't know why everyone talks about fucking splits so much right now. Like yeah. if you look at what produces results, it's like 1%. Like if I had yeah. to put a percent on it, it's that. I mean, I in theory, maybe if somebody followed the perfect split for 10 years, they'd have like two more pounds of tissue than someone that followed the bro split, God forbid, right away. Yeah. But there's way bigger factors that lead to producing results than that little shit. Yeah. Now that being said, if you can be a normal person, and just kind of like, oh, I get it. Maybe if I can train things more than once a week, that makes sense. Maybe I'll give that a go and just fucking carry on with your life. Like, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. But it's yeah. just people literally just trying, you know, they can't, they can't have actions and information seemingly exist at the same time without just losing their minds or something. I think it's funny you said that because I get that question all the time. Yeah. Like every, like, at least once a day, once every other yeah. day. What's your split? What's your split? And I'm like, yeah. why is everybody so focused on, and this wasn't even, it's funny because, I don't remember this being a topic of conversation up until about a year or two ago. No. And all of a sudden it's like full body split versus a two a day split versus, Oh, you're stupid. Yeah. You're, you're doing a bro split. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just don't. And I agree with you. I think it's like, I've done a million different kinds of splits in my career. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's never, I mean, I always feel like I come back to what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But I don't feel like it would made a huge, huge difference other than like maybe my recovery is better or whatever. But I don't feel like I got bigger yeah. because I did a certain split. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think it's so, things that most, most normal bodybuilders figure out real fast. Like there's been a million examples of like the split that makes the most sense is just prioritize your weak body parts. Yeah. It's not too complicated after that. You know, use, I always use the example of like, you know, and some people do it to extremes, which again, if you want to be successful, like, you look at like Flex Lewis, obviously what his fucking legs looked like when he was like young and when he turned pro. And then obviously when he actually made the decision, like how obviously he must've loved training legs. You don't get legs like that unless you love it. Yeah. And he made the decision to not train legs for a year. Like I joke, like I'm a, I'm a shitty bodybuilder, but like I could have been better if I stopped training my legs. 
But yeah. my, again, my reasoning is like, I love fucking training legs. If I ever stop, yeah. like that's the only thing I have, right? I feel like if I'm not training legs, I'm not training hard. So yeah. I made the adult decision of like, could I be a slightly less shitty bodybuilder and really deprioritize my legs? <laughs> and like, it's like, well, no, well, who I don't really care that much about being a, like how I place at shows or anything like that. Yeah. I just like to train. But obviously for someone that's making their career out of it, like look at somebody like Flex, who's like made that decision. I'm not going to train legs for a year. And, uh, and arguably I think it worked out pretty well for him. He's doing all right yeah. for himself. So, so what's your, I, w- I won't keep you too much longer because I've been on for quite a while, but there's just the training thing that leads to like a million different questions. Yeah. But, but um, I want to get a little bit of background. So for those of you, those of you out there who don't know, do you compete? Are you still going to compete? Like, where are you with that? Uh, I did compete and I'm, I'm done competing. Um, so I had a, it's like one of those things I say, it's, I'm not a has been, I was a never was. That was my bodybuilding career. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, honestly, I mean, I, I, and again, this is, it's certainly a double-edged sword to say. And so there's obviously some degrees to both sides of it. Um, but I love bodybuilding, like is how I fell in love with it. And then probably in my early twenties, when I started working as a personal trainer is when I started to focus a little bit more on like the business side of it. Yeah. And I, I managed training departments for like six, seven years. And I really started to get into the nerd stuff cause I just enjoyed it. And, um, and I always loved, I just liked, it was interesting for me to like figure shit out. I mean, that's why I liked yeah. Arnold's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding to me. And that was the first bit of figuring shit out. Like who yeah. the hell doesn't want to learn from somebody like that? Um, but I honestly never thought I'd compete. And the short story of this is I had a client um, that I was training and I trained him for two or three years and he just got in amazing shape. This guy is like 50 years old and just walking around at 8% body fat like year round. Yeah. Yeah. Very successful guy. And uh, he's just like, man, I got a bucket list. I, I want to compete. And, I, and literally at that point in time, I hadn't prepped anybody. So I did this weird thing that I don't think anyone else has ever done in the history of coaching. I told him I'd never prepped anyone before. And I told him he would be my first client, and um, which I think is something that would be nice if people are actually transparent with their credentials. Yeah. Um, but he said, he's like, no, I trust you, man. You'll do all right. And I was like, all right, well, if you're fine with it, like being the guinea pig, have at it. And he goes, yeah, yeah. one more thing, though. He's like, the only way I'm going to do it is if you do it with me. No and way. I was like, fuck, yeah. And so, um, honestly, he was a really, really great, uh, good friend, especially, especially at that point in time. And I was like, I thought about it for a long time. And I was like, you know what? Like, why not, why not do it? And I, I, I kind of just put in my brain then that, like, I had trained with so many people. Like the joke is everyone I trained with in high school got bigger, faster than me. Everybody yeah. that I trained with in college got bigger, faster than me. As soon as I started training people, like my clients would get bigger, faster than me. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't have a problem with that. I wasn't like butthurt about it. I mean, maybe deep yeah. down inside somewhere we all want to be fucking Ronnie Coleman and I'm, you know, yeah. perma small is still stuck in my brain. Yeah. But I'd kind of just decided, I was like, man, I love bodybuilding, but I just, I'm not going to step on stage. It's just not for me. And, uh, and then I was like, well, to be honest, I love it. And I like helping people. Like, it'll just make me a better coach. Like, why not go through the process? Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, I think like a lot of people, I went, I went through the process. I did the same thing that everybody does. Like I wore diapers on stage the first time that I got from bodybuilding.com. And, um, <laughs> I had no idea how to fucking pose, look like a retard and stuff, yeah. uh, but it was a small, a small show. So I did well at my first show and I honestly loved it. I mean, like the whole, like, you know how it is. It's like all the, all the stereotypical bodybuilding stuff is the stuff that appealed to me. Like I didn't have social media then. I didn't know yeah. anything about social media. Like I just liked it cause you're, you're just doing stuff that's hard for the sake of doing stuff that's hard. Right. Yeah. I was like proud of like making myself not eat anything that tastes good and proud of being hungry all the time and proud of doing a lot of cardio and shit. Um, so anyway, long story short, I competed for, I did six shows. Um, my last show was uh, the end of 2018. Um, and then just, I've had uh, I had my first son when I was 30. I've got three kids now. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, for me to like, it's again, it's a double-edged sword, but I want to make excuses, but for me to take my physique to a level where I think I could be at least a decent bodybuilder, yeah. it's just not, it's not worth it. I mean, like my, my I think now is like, how the hell is this going to benefit my kids? How's it going to benefit my wife? You know, the yeah. competitor, the, the competitive person to me that would be fucking competitive 
you know, want to dominate you at ping pong or something that I suck at still, like I want to compete with myself. So to be honest, like I kind of regret never having put what I would consider like my best on stage. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, for me, it's a grown up decision. I like, I can't put it through that lens anymore. Like, well, what do I want to do? And for me, it's like, man, I just got to, uh, you know, the stuff that, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the nature of bodybuilding, you know, the nature of the past couple of years and stuff that we've been around, man, like, that's the only thing, the only thing I would regret would be not being around for my wife and kids. And uh, so yeah. like, that's the lens I kind of have to put decisions through. Um, and so anyway, now I just try and I joke, I just want to dominate like pose downs uh, against the other dads at like kids pool parties and stuff. And, what, uh, was the, what was your, what was your stage weight when you competed? Uh, my last few shows, I was always around t- uh, 210 to 215. So yeah, you, you'd have to, I couldn't imagine you having to go to the links you'd have to go to yeah, to be a pro open, oh, class, yeah. open class. No, anyway. Oh, yeah. And yeah, especially, especially with three kids, I, I could not, you know, I, I always commend any of the pros I know out there that have kids um, that compete. Cause I'm like, I don't know how I would do it if I had one kid, let alone three. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things. I mean, I, I, I would never, it sounds, I mean, I don't know if obviously, you, you know, I'm sure obviously you had goals that changed or evolved as you competed. And like, I always was really all about like being better. And so it sounds cliche. I never really, I never cared about turning pro. I don't think yeah. I would maybe who, who the fuck knows if I could have or not, probably not. But I had this vision of like what my perfect physique would be on stage. Yeah. And like, so that's all I want. I mean, I honestly wanted to be like at the top of the heavy class in shape. And for me, like that would have looked pretty and I would have been pumped about that. And, um, and I would have been fine being like, okay, I did it, put this perfect on stage one time for me and then got off and that's the end of that. Uh, but even that, it's not, again, it's like a, not really a big deal at this point in yeah. time again, when I really like keep some perspective on everything, but yeah, like, even if it's one of those things, like you said, even if I had pushed the shit out of it and like, I'm going to turn fucking pro, like just for the sake of turn pro, like, all right, yeah. now I'm a horrible fucking pro. Like, what am I going to do now? Right. So it's like, what's, <laughs> what's the point of that? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I would never pick on anybody. Cause again, I'm, I'm honestly, for me, that sounds stupid. I mean, for someone else, I don't care what goals no, yeah. are very important to other people's yeah. life. Um, but that's the reality. I mean, there's some people again that turn pro and like obviously never, they know ahead of time, they're not going to be a great pro. And again, if that's, that's cool for them. But again, just for me, I was like, man, I can't even say that out loud and like feel okay about that. So. Some people, some people just want to make the accomplishment. I have a couple yeah, friends. Sure. I have, I have a couple friends. One, one succeeded, one didn't. Yeah. Um, that just wanted to say they got a pro card. And, yeah, yeah. and, um, but I still, like I said, I couldn't imagine, doing all that and the links you'd have to go to with three kids yeah so it's a little different but what so what is your business now the nice thing i think the nice thing about your career from what i see is even though you're not a pro bodybuilder or whatever if you ever did want to be you've still allowed yourself to stay involved in the industry and you train pros Mm -hmm. so you kind of still have a connection to everybody yeah which is cool right you haven't just kind of let it go completely Mm -hmm. but what what exactly like how does the business work? What is your mm-hmm. business for those people who don't know? Are you just, is it just online? Do you do anything personally? Do you, how does it all work? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the longest, what I was was just a full-time trainer. So basically up until that's uh, probably 33. I mean, especially before I moved to Tampa, I mean, I was literally working 70 or 80 hours a week. Um, and I, you know, I'd uh, train and manage clubs. So my, I was responsible for kind of like big box gyms that have, yeah. you know, full clientele myself and then manage the training department. Um, and then when I moved up to Tampa, it was right around the time I had my son when I was 30, 31. Um, I started to slowly work a little bit less, train a little bit less. I was still probably training 50 or 60 hours a week, which is still a shit ton. Yeah. Um, and then I, luckily I was encouraged by some people to like, just start using social media. 
Cause I was one of those guys that like, I mean, I'll, I'll eat crow now. I mean, the first time I saw Facebook in college, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then the first time I saw Instagram, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I literally remember thinking like, cause you know, at that point in time, like I, I remember when Facebook started and it was only universities. Like the only thing yeah. you do is have a picture and like poke people. I was yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck is that? Like what, why would I spend my time doing this? And then, uh, you know, when Instagram just started, it wasn't, it wasn't really what it's evolved to now where it's just like any platform, the same as blogs or internet or wherever people can provide information. Um, so for me, it was so weird. And then finally I just had people like, just start something. And so all I did when I started was I just started talking about what it basically I did all day with myself, with clients and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I never actually thought about ever turning it into a business at any point in time. Um, I always tell people, people like, Oh, how do you get started? How do you do this? It's like, well, you wait till there's a demand for it kind of. Right. Yeah. So that's what happened to me is I had people be like, Hey man, like, I had a billion fucking people asking me for coaching. I coached like one or two years of like online coaching because when people were asking me that, I was like, what the hell is online coaching? I don't even know what that is because I don't yeah. ever train people in person. Yeah. And uh, it turned out I hated it, you know, because it was like, I like training people in person. I'm like, me writing an exercise on paper doesn't mean shit because you no. can do it like a freaking retard. And um, so anyway, I started, did a little bit of that. And then I had people that kept asking like, man, do, do more, do YouTube videos, do whatever. And I actually had a client that I was training at the point in time, not in the industry, was just like in IT, something separate. And yeah. she's like, you need to do a content site. Like people are doing that. Like just I'll build it for you. She offered to build it for me for free. Yeah. And uh, so she built me a whole website and set all this stuff up. And then I have a guy that's now my business partner that I've had a great relationship with for you know three, four years. And he said, Hey, I kind of know what people are looking for in the industry, whatever. And I joke as I had no idea what I would do. And my, my business started with like me leaning my camera against the dumbbell and like me <laughs> doing something, you know? And so I posted videos of me talking over it and be like, yeah. Hey, here's me doing this exercise. Here's how you squeeze this dumb shit. Yeah. And, um, but the funny part is then I, I kind of made it. And then like it is, there were people that were interested in it. And then the people that were members, like they just kind of tell me what they want. And so that's like, that's how I try and evolve it at this point in time. So yeah. all the content shit that's on there. I mean, the simple thing, obviously with content sites, it's the same that's always been there. It's just, if people want access to my brain, then you get it for relatively cheap. It's just a bunch of shit on there. Yeah. And, um, and again, it's the same stuff that I do. I mean, I, I like using that kind of stuff and resources all the time. I mean, I go on other people's site and I pay for continuing education. So that's mainly my business. I like guess 80% right now is just putting content basically on online in the form of a site in the form of an app. And I still train. Um, I, you know, I train basically like one or two people locally where I'm at. And then when like things are kind of normal, I'll have people come from out of town to train for periods yeah. of time, sometimes for a couple of days for a week. Um, so I, I honestly, I still love to train people in person. I'd say that's like probably my biggest passion. And, um, you know, my whole thing kind of coming up is when I was working 70 or 80 hours a week, and especially the time my son was born, I was like, fuck man, I can't be doing this when I'm like 60 years old. Right. <laughs> and, um, so it's just, it was nice. I mean, like you said, I mean, half of it is like, I, I was always, I always liked training people. I trained big people and I trained big bodybuilders and shit before I had Instagram because it was just my passion. And yeah. I had some nice people around me that encouraged me to actually pursue that despite on paper it being a horrible idea. Um, because again, like on paper, it's like, if you're a trainer, it's like, well, go with a big demographic, go with general fitness, go with yeah. weight loss. Yeah. You know, there's no money to be had in the bodybuilding world. Yeah. Um, but again, the, you know, as well as I do, like the more niche actually you are, the better it is long term, right. because hopefully That's it's right. like, just be, just be good at one thing instead of mediocre at like 10 things or yeah. attempt to be good at one thing. And, um, yeah, so that's what I do now. It's just uh, content and, uh, you know, train a couple people. What's, here. uh, what's the website? Uh, hypertrophycoach.com. And it's just, the the app's the same thing. If you just search hypertrophy coach, um, it's in the app store, Google play, all that good stuff. Uh, before you go, I have one more question. Uh, yeah. and this one is very dear to me because I don't know how to explain this to people. Mm -hmm. I always get frustrated. And the reason I thought of it is when you said something about writing an exercise for somebody and them not getting it. Yeah. 
it's not the form that I think people have trouble with. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, some people do, but for me, the, the thing is the, and I don't know the word I'm looking for, but the, um, the exercise intensity. Yeah. Like my, the way I tell, and it, this isn't to be arrogant, but like mm-hmm. my rep is not the same as a beginner's rep. Yeah. And I have trouble explaining to people how to get the most out of each rep because yeah. I see people like I've written programs for people. I'll be like, here you go, blah, blah. And I'll see them in the gym like a week later, a month later. And it just looks like shit. Mm-hmm. It just looks like, you know, they're doing a barbell curl and they're like, you know, yeah. they're, look, they're looking around or yeah. I've even seen people talking like while yeah. they're doing it. And then they'll go home and I had a crazy workout today. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it didn't, it didn't look like it. No, nah, yeah. Really crazy, man. All right. But I don't, but I don't know how to get that across to people. I don't know how to get that intensity of rep across to people in, in yeah. speech. You know what I mean? Cause when you're there and you're with them, you can be like, you know, do this, do that, you know, push harder. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to emphasize that to people. Is there anything you've found or a way to tell people like how to do that exercise, how to set it up, how to set up each rep to get the most out of it? I mean, to be honest, uh, I wish I had something, but the answer is probably no. And I think that's, that's why my passion is training people in person. I mean, that's why, like, that's what I, that's what I started doing. That's what I kind of fell in love with doing. That's when I was doing online coaching, the same shit that you said is I was like, what is the point of writing all this shit? You know, like it doesn't, mm-hmm. cause that's the thing too, is obviously it's the joke with, you know, you've heard Dorian talk about it where it's like, he writes any of his workouts on paper and someone no. looks at it like, Oh, that's a fucking joke. Uh, it that, looks like shit. shit. Yeah. looks like shit. And I was like, and that's the same time as like, obviously we've been lucky to see Dorian take some people through workouts and stuff. And it's the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and I think honestly that the reason that I don't think there's anything you can really say to someone is just, uh, again, comes back to human nature is like self-awareness. Like how many people are actually like, I think there's some people that maybe know that they're limiting themselves. Like if you just ask them, did you really take that as far as you could or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. And you know, they might answer honestly, but I think the most people, when they say like, Oh, I had a fucking crazy workout. It's like, you only know what you know. Right. And, um, yeah, and that's yeah. why, like I said, like, I think hopefully you and I know, and I've, I've been lucky to train with some fucking crazy training people. It's like, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And um, I, I think people haven't, and I, and I joke that where it's like, I, I've seen the people I think that have the most success in bodybuilding are the ones that just train like monkeys in the first place. And just, you know, you have training partners that try and beat the shit out of each other. Like that's the goal of the workout, yeah. right? Like I just yeah. remember when I used to train with my partners, I mean, I remember hurting myself doing the stupidest shit. But that, that was the goal. You're just trying to hurt each other, you know? Yeah, and like yeah. half of it, somebody new comes, here's the new guy, let's fucking murder him. <laughs> and, um, and, at, and at some point in time, I, I think the funny thing actually happens is when you actually start to clean stuff up a little bit, you know, you start to put some knowledge in with the monkey, it actually makes training harder. Cause like, that's oh, the yeah. tough part. Like you said, is like, there's sometimes you see people like externally, it looks hard. They're just like swinging shit around and grunting. I'm like, no, have you ever tried holding everything still? Yeah. And only yeah. Using the working muscle. Like that's way fucking harder. And, yeah. um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's, I think, cause it is for those reasons that you said, I mean, some of it's, some of it's just how far they're willing to go. And, and some of it is a form thing, right? Cause I mean, that's when a lot of people, even the people that, again, like that example, people that just swing shit around and it looks like a lot of stuff's happening. Yeah. It's like when you actually come in and impose good form on that person and just try and keep like the, the whole thing that I say that sums it up is your last rep looking like the first rep. Yeah. Like that, that's hard, right? Like that's fucking brutal. And that's yeah. most people when they start to move some other stuff around or swing some stuff, they're actually, they're looking for assistance. I mean, they're turning it into a total body exercise. Yeah. And so um, I think there's, there's just so much that goes into that from like, there is a little bit of a technical component. There's obviously a little bit of the weight you're using component. And then again, there's just an awareness. Like, are you actually aware mm-hmm. that there is somewhere that you could take it to another level? Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
And that's, and I've never, I've never, I say it though, like I've never trained anybody where it's like, I didn't take them through something and they weren't like, holy fuck. Like that was, that was, and it's, and it tends to be both. Like, cause I get, I get both. Like I'm happy. Like I'll, I'll get, attract the nerds, which yeah. I like the nerds. The nerds are my people. And I attract the meatheads, which I like both. <laughs> and so the funny thing is I'll, I'll get the nerds and like, they're like, I, I can literally see this. It, it like cracks me up and like, I like it. And like, hopefully like I can kind of poke fun at them and cause I like to poke fun at myself. So I don't do it with ill intent. But I'll have somebody like on this machine and they'll be like doing something really slow and really pretty. I think they're like looking at me for like affirmation, like, yeah, look how slow and pretty this is. And I can see them like kind of reaching for the thing to like rack the thing. And I'm like, and literally some of these people do slow and pretty reps. And I'm like, you've got fucking eight in the tank. It's not even like yeah. you're racking it when there's two. Yeah. And so I'll like sometimes keep pushing people or I'll put another plate on. And I'm like, your form is great. Like, why wouldn't you do another plate? Why wouldn't you go up? And I'll literally see like this deer in the headlights when it's like <laughs> just terror on their face. They're like, Oh dear God. And like, I've like had, I, I try not to laugh at it. Cause again, I joke, like I actually don't enjoy hurting people. Like if I enjoyed that, like my job, you do, would be a you, do a, you do a little bit, you do a little uh, bit. Well, I, I enjoy, I enjoy like the realization that people have. Like, I yeah. don't, I like actually like the joke of like inflicting pain. Cause then maybe would I, I would like that somewhere else in my life, which I, I don't think that I do. <laughs> so it's like, but I, I like, I like for someone to experience something. Cause I've had that. I mean, I've obviously yeah. had that when someone's taking me past where I thought I could go and I know what it feels like to come out the other side. Like, yeah. Right. Like that's the best feeling ever. When you actually have a workout yeah. that the only way to describe it is like you survive. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't tend, like I say that I kind of like the pain. I kind of, but it really does fucking suck when you're doing it. You yeah. might be aware of the suck and kind of like that, but it's like when you're out the other side, you're like, Oh, holy fuck. Like, look what I did. Oh, that's why and, that, uh, that's why leg day is the best day because it's yeah. that you get that feeling every single week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I, and that, and so that's the, uh, and then the same thing I joke with the meatheads is like, I'll get people that, you know, put it, I've never literally taken someone from doing eight plates on something down to like four, but yeah. I might take someone that's doing eight plates down to seven and actually been like, no, like, why, why would you bounce there? Like, how about we like control that part? And like, well, you're just dropping on the eccentrics. Like, why wouldn't we slow down? Or like, you know, what are we doing this type of thing? And we're going to actually get to make these subtle adjustments that are little, yeah. but I actually think make a big difference at the elite level. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, holy fuck. Like that's yeah. there, like that's available. And um, so again, that, that's, that's, that's like the most fun for me. Like that's, that's fun. Like when I actually get to hopefully show somebody something or let them experience something that I actually think will translate to better results. Yeah. Um, and it's because that's probably my favorite thing. And it's my passion. It's like, how the hell can you teach that without somebody going through it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd say I've done that more than anything in my career, obviously yeah. is how many hours, I mean, I've spent well over 10,000 hours training actual bodies in front of me. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's why I can't do it on paper. Like you said, I, I have no idea. I have no idea how to hit hammer at home. Like, you know, with actually a talk to someone or writing something yeah. or whoever knows it is. And I think people are so unself aware where it's like, I just look at too, like use some, like use yourself in this example. Like, here's what you do. Like you take yourself and film yourself and then put it next to the video of me doing it. And like, yeah. can you see, can you see the difference there? And that's, I honestly think some people are like, Oh, it's that's different. I don't know, man. I, I guess. Dude, it happens all the time. And I don't mean this in a negative way. Like I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but yeah. I'll post a, what I, I used to post more exercise videos like yeah. a couple, a couple of years ago. And people would tag me in their stories doing the same exercise, but yeah, like, like, don't do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I always try and find a way to express the intensity of the exercise, and I just can never seem to get it across. So yeah, yeah. When, um, I, when I have somebody do that, I would just I just say tag somebody else. Somebody tags me, I'm like, oh, don't don't tag me. Like tag JP in that. Tell me you learned that from Jordan or something. That's that's not for me, man. Yeah. I don't know who that's from. <laughs> so before you go, I always kind of let everybody you know, say something they want to say, a message they want to put out, a product they want to plug. Is there anything you want to say kind of before we head off? No. I mean, I think the screen is, uh, if you're remotely interested, just, you know, create my Instagram page. 
because yeah. that's it. I mean, if you don't, yeah, if I say it is my, my main platform that I use. And so that is the, the screen. If you, if you, if you happen to look for the first time at the little baby handle post, then maybe, maybe I'm not your guy. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, you have to kind of, you have to ease into me, man. I'm an acquired taste maybe. And maybe some yeah. people don't ever want to acquire that. So, you know, it's, um, if people want to look on there and I honestly do try, like I, I joke, I have this saying that like, I'm a recovering asshole and I have relapses. So it's like when I write, when I write a post like that, I'm like my nature is to be a sarcastic asshole. Cause like, yeah. I think it's cause like I grew up playing sports and I grew up with coaches yeah. and like, you know how coaches are like, there's no fucking filter in the locker room. Like you will just get berated in front of people. And yeah. I like that cause that made me develop. And, um, and so when I, but I realized that doesn't work, not in person. So I honestly used to write stuff kind of from a little bit more of an asshole standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I realized it's like, man, even though, even though some people get it, like I, it sounds cheesy, but I actually want to like, I want to leave the vast majority of people, hopefully reading a post and being like, Oh, taking something positive away from it. Right. Yeah. At least not something negative. And so honestly, when I wrote the little baby handle post and I read it back afterwards and cause I, I always talk with my wife, like honestly, the only person I'm trying to impress is my wife normally. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, hey, babe, check out what I wrote. Do you think this is funny? Or hey, babe, blah, 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 whatever. And, um, <laughs> and so literally, that's how I, st I first started writing Instagram. When I first started doing my captions, I remember the guy that's helping me now, my business partner, wasn't my business partner. then. he's like, hey, man, like, I, I hate to tell you, but, you know, people don't read that much on Instagram. Like, people don't want to read all that. I'm yeah, just letting yeah. you know. And yeah. I used, and I said at that point in time, this is when I had like six followers. It was like my mom and my, my wife. And I was like, well, every time I do a post, I just call my wife and I was like, hey, did you see what I wrote? Did you think that was funny? And if she thinks it's funny, I'm like, oh, fucking great. Like I, it went through the filter. I'm fine yeah. with it. And yeah. um, it's funny why after I did that, like the funny thing is I wrote, I literally wrote that one post like in between sets. Then I put my phone down and I didn't look at it for an hour or something. I came back and I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and, my wife, and my wife was even like, man, I thought, I thought you were going to ruffle some feathers with that. And I was like, man, I really didn't think it was that much of an asshole thing. And, uh, you know, I even had like Jordan messaged me like, man, like you got some people like really lit up over that one. And yeah. I was like, he's like, dude, you need to do more. <laughs> you need to do more of those. So I was like, no, I need to do less. And I was <laughs> like, that wasn't, that wasn't even like a controversial subject in my brain. Yeah. It wasn't controversial. And then I read it back and I was like, well, I think that might've been chalk one up for one of those asshole relapses. And I could have worded it better. I could have said, Hey, why don't you guys try this handle instead? Maybe it feels better. I don't Maybe that would have been a better way to approach it. I don't know. I don't think it would have mattered. You know why? I think it's, it's like you said about the bench press when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those exercises. Guys love doing that exercise. I'm one of them. They mm -hmm. love doing it. It feels very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Primal. Uh, prime. Caveman. That's, that's yeah. exact. Yeah. It's exact. Exactly the word I was thinking of. Yeah. It just feels, it feels like a bench press, which a bench press yeah. is very primal. You're like, yeah. When I think of a back movement that's equal to a bench press, that mm -hmm. T bar row is it. You can stack a ton of weight on it. Yeah. It, lo it looks cool. You can bang the weights off the ground if you want, like Kai Green. Mm. Yeah. He's like, it's the shit. And then you're like, mm -hmm. hey, that thing sucks. Don't do it. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so well, I don't, I like, I don't think it would have mattered. House, man. Yeah, people were showing up at my house. They had, the, they had the wide handle. They were putting it in my yard and lighting it on fire and shit. We had, I had to move, man. It, was, uh, it wasn't before, pretty over here. Before you go, I just want to share my screen one more time so I can show people what the handle you are talking about is. Yeah. Just so they don't take a piece out of you again. Yeah. so this is the handle the day the next day you posted this yeah and i have used this handle but the mm -hmm. one i the one i have has a, a center grip in here yeah so you see how this has like one two three yeah the one the one i have has one two and this third one is a little bit closer in yeah so all your whole point was out here is better that's all your point was 
or for big or guys. Yeah, could could be better. Yeah, on yeah, just, on paper. Yeah, on paper, I would say for big guys. <laughs> have to be really careful. Have to be really careful now. How you, how you yeah, say? Yeah. Well, well, no, that's more accurate again. And so, uh, yeah. And if anybody, those next two videos, if anybody want to watch those, I get a little bit more into it, which may make you more or less angry. I don't really know for sure. <laughs> I said I said for people, I, and then people people like some people then got angry about me showing that handle. Like, well, who the fuck has that handle? And I was like, oh. I literally answer for everyone want to see. I'm like, if you want an easy substitute, do bent over two arm dumbbell rows. I mean, there's the solution for anybody. I don't have I that hate, fucking handle. I, fuck I you. hate that exercise. You like that? Uh, but for me, that makes the most sense. I was like, man, that's such an underutilized exercise because you can just put your hand wherever the hell you want it. It's just going to hang where it's supposed to hang, right? Bent over dumbbell rows with two hand, like two, two, two dumbbells. Yeah. So the same as a bent over barbell row. Just yeah. Two but I never get um. I feel like my stomach, and I know we're carrying over now, so I apologize. But just since you're a trainer, I feel mm-hmm. like my stomach is pulling me down. Mm-hmm. It might be because I'm bent over too far, but Maybe. I don't, but I don't ever feel that same like leverage, I guess that I do yeah. with a bar or, or a bar mm-hmm. or a T bar. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. And it's, the whole thing with that is I was just like, people that were like, Oh, what? I don't have that handle. And I was like, well, just, that's a, that's just another option. It's one of those things that's funny to me that that's not a more popular op- exercise. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. It's, everyone's got dumbbells. Why don't you just try that? It's, you know, very, very, very because similar. You can't, because you can't put any weight on it. I guess not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're going to do, if you're going to do the dumbbell row with two dumbbells, yeah, you're probably going to go like, you know, if you're an average guy, what 60 pounds, 80 pounds Maybe, max. Yeah. yeah. It's not as cool as putting like six plates on a T-bar. That's true. So, so anyways. Okay. Um, okay. Joe, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you for, for, sure. for clearing everything up and answering some of the questions. And uh, I hope you don't get any more hate for this. I hope everybody yeah, understands. Sorry. but uh no thank you for coming on man we'll do it again sometime absolutely for sure man okay brother thank you very much yep have a good one you too